we'll start the class now on uh, Parshas B'Shalach today, Torah and Tea. And it's also right the day after, uh, after Yud Shvat, after the 10th of Shvat. I was yesterday at the uh, cemetery, at the Ohel, by the Rebbe's gravesite. We were able to uh, pray there. Actually, I got there very early. I got there like 6 o'clock. Um, actually, we, we, we were supposed to leave, so we left 6.30, but went, did all the preparation, so by the time we got into there, it was like 7 o'clock, it was still pretty empty, and we can go in, and we can do all the prayers, and then, and, and, you know, it was very relaxed, it was very good, but uh, later on, my, my boys tell me that they, they waited like four hours just to get into line, it was so packed over there, they couldn't get in, so I was happy I went early, and I was able wow. to get everything in, well, yeah. I can't imagine, was yeah. the weather nice? Yeah, in theory, they have like heaters a little bit. Yeah, it was very nice weather. I don't know what it was here like, but over there it was exceptionally like almost like a, I wouldn't say spring, but it was very very nice. Not not cold. Not not it was dry and it was it was it was pretty nice. It must have been like in the forties or mid forties. So that was pretty good for February. It was pretty good. Um, but so we were studying a little bit. You know, we're talking about. Uh, you have to know what to ask for. So you come. A lot of people are there and. Uh, asking Hashem, praying at the gravesite of a tzaddik, of a leader, of the Jewish leader, of the Chabad Rebbe, praying over there, and sometimes you have to know what to pray for, you know, who knows what's, what, 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 what's really important, and, um, and one of the things we read in the, uh, previously, leading up to it, we always want to study a little bit before when you go to visit a tzaddik, and you want to, it says like the, um, Tzaddik blessing is like rain, comes from the from heaven, right? So it's blessings. So the rain is like a blessing. But if you don't plow the ground and you don't make it soft and you don't allow for the water to be absorbed in the ground, so the water just slides off. It doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Uh, water is supposed to go in the ground and water it and make it grow. Same thing is with the blessing of... Uh, of a Kodesh Baruch of Hashem, or when a tzaddik blesses you that Hashem should help you. So the same thing is, it's like rain, but you got to do a little bit yourself. So you got to work, so you got to make yourself like a plowed piece of ground so that the blessing has where to, uh, where to rest in, so we can do. So you got to do something. So before we ask the Rebbe, we uh, ask for blessings. We study a little bit, and we try. So one of the things we studied was a talk that the Rebbe gave. And, and the Rebbe speaks over there in this particular talk. The Rebbe talks about the fact that uh, a lot of times people think they have a lot, and they want a lot, but at the end of the day, they really have very little. Uh, and sometimes people have very little, he quoted from the Zohar, and... They have a lot. He, he gave a metaphorically like the letter Yud, which is the smallest letter. So the letter Yud is a very tiny letter, but it's 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 really very big. And the the the, the, the parable is that in one's life, uh, if you're small, which means you're subjugated to Hashem, you're humble. So then you become a vehicle. Then God's blessings can rest in you. You become like the Yud. You're very small. As the Eris Garme, you make yourself small, then you can accept all the great blessings. I give the example from a uh, from a, a cup. You know, if the cup is empty, you can put stuff in there. But if it's full, 
there's nowhere to nowhere to put anything in there. So if you're full with yourself and your cup is totally full, where is the blessing of Hashem gonna go in? It's gonna go out. So you gotta be humble, you know, empty your cup and be before Hashem like an empty vessel, and then Hashem's um, blessing will go in there. But then he says, on the other hand, sometimes people have or think they have a lot, and they travel and they trying always all kinds of tricks to get to earn more money and to make better their lives and to do a lot of things and always finding things but they got no peace of mind they're never relaxed they're always tense they don't have patience for the family they don't have patience for the kids they don't have they're always angry they're always upset they're always not uh, not there but why what you know you have a lot you don't really have, at the end of the day, if it's only material things and it's only physical things, those are not really valuable. They're not really meaningful. They're just, you know, they're just things. There's very little. So you think you have a lot, but having a lot is can be very little. You know, you can have a little and have a lot and have a lot and have little. If you have meaningful things, if you have spirituality, you have satisfaction, you have a good life, then that's... That's a lot, you know, then you really have a lot. But if you have just uh, 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 material things, they, they never never really get so set so too, too satisfied. And um, so when you ask the Rebbe or you ask Hashem, you ask the Rebbe to ask Hashem for you or to help you out with your prayers, um, sometimes we're asking for the wrong things. So what are we asking? We're asking for our cups to be more full with more what? With more things that are not important. So we have to ask for our health. We have to ask for uh, happiness. We have to ask for uh, good fortune, for atzlacha, for blessings in, in what we do. But always to ask, have more and more material things. You know, enough. We have enough to live a comfortable life. And, you know, as long peace of mind, you know, peace in the home. Uh, come on in, peace in the home, peace of mind, all these things, those are the most valuable things, so saying it's very important for that, and today we're, we'll, we'll study a little bit in the parsha. also we see there's like a lot of different things that happen, of course the main thing is, we learn is about bitochan, about trust, and emuna and trust in God, because uh the Jews were in a very big predicament. They had really no way out. Please help yourself. You know, I didn't prepare today because the Rebbe is not here, uh, so I didn't prepare so well. But there's still some stuff. There's some some thing to nasha and a bracha to make a bracha. There's coffee. I didn't bring any fancy cups, but just did uh, plain hot cups. There's hot water there, and there's tea tea bags. Uh, I apologize for the lack of uh, the formal. Uh, the usual stuff, the china dishes, and everything else that we normally get. Okay, if anybody you wants. Did well for a yeah. <laughs> um, so, the Jews were in a big predicament because they had the Egyptians coming at them from the back, and in front of them, they had you know the water, and it seems like in order to confuse the Egyptians to entice them to come. Hashem actually tells them to go backwards, so they were actually forward, and now they're going backwards, so Pharaoh says that the person of Uchem that they're confused, and they don't know what they're doing, and Sagar Midbar, the Mizbar closed up on them. So now they don't know what to do. Apparently when 
the situation got real tight, you know, it took them till the seventh day, by the time they sent the people back to tell them that they're chasing them, that they're not coming back. And finally, they face the water on one side, the Egyptians behind them, and there's no way out, you know. It's really tested, you know, and the Jews were going to be a people, they're going to be tested, they're going to be their own people, they're going to have their own land, they're going to have Eretz Yisrael. So God gave them a lot of the scenarios, a lot of the things that are necessary to run your own country and to be your own people, so you have to sort of live up to the test. So Hashem was testing them, giving them that fortitude that they need, that, 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 that revealing, that power that they need. So a lot of it is what you need is the amuna and the betochen, the trust in Hashem. And here they're in this predicament, so the Jews did not rebel against Moshe. They said they would go back, go back, now they're predicament. So now Moshe screams out to Hashem, what do we do? What do we, there's nowhere to go. Uh, you know, a lot of times we have in life, we have situations in which we're stuck. What do we do now? I mean, you know, stuck. It could be financially, it could be physically, it could be emotionally, it could be uh, in a lot of things, you know, we get stuck and there's no way out. And they're saying, there's no way out of this predicament. I mean, I've been yeah. there many times, I've been in a situation which there's no way out of this predicament. You know, how do I deal with a uh, with people in my life, you know, whether it's a husband, a wife, whether it's a mother, whether it's a daughter, who are just, you know, absolutely unreasonable. <laughs> how do we how do we deal with that? You know, it seems I'm stuck. There's no way out. How do you, there just seems to be like a, a dead end, you know. So how do you get out of those situations? And here the Jews were in that situation, you know. Sometimes you actually have plan B. Okay, plan A doesn't work, I'll do plan B. If plan B doesn't work, I'll do plan C. But sometimes there is no, there's no escape route. There's no plan B, there's no plan C, there's nothing else to do. If the Egyptians are coming at you and the water is in front of you, there's really no other plan. What do we do? And Hashem said, they should journey. So the, the, the water split for them. So actually, what seemed to be an obstacle is impossible, impassable. It's impossible. What are we going to do? All the situation. All of a sudden, the trust in Hashem, it opened up. There's a new... It's not really an obstacle. So, But it's not something that they could have thought. Nobody ever would have imagined that it's going to happen. But it did happen. And it happened because of the trust in Hashem. Sometimes, the vehicle to gain that is, is, is the actual trust in Hashem. That alone, when you say, when you stop thinking, when a person stops thinking, oh, I am so smart, I'm so wise, I know how to get out from every situation, you know, I know, I'll figure this out. And if you think, okay, then Hashem says, let me see you figure this out. <laughs> but if you say, you know, well, well, you know what, Hashem, I can't figure it out, but you know what, I trust you. And when you really feel it, then, you know, then all of a sudden there's like a whole new other words, you know. We should try it in our lives. A lot of times, you know, we can't figure it out. How do I do this? But you say, just daven to Hashem and say, Hashem, help me. And then Hashem says, you know what? Keep on doing. Just keep on going. And you will see what you saw, the impassable, there's no way through here. It's going to open up. This is going to split. It's going to be a miracle. You're going to see. And we don't always see 
uh, miracles in life openly. But this is what the, the parsha is about, the bitachon. And yet, you know, we can take a further lesson from the next story after that. We're just going to go through a few of these stories, what took place in the parsha. Then, the Jews come across, there. they're traveling in the desert, and now they're free, the Egyptians are no longer bothering them. All the Jews pass through, all the Egyptians drown, and the people say the song. Before we're going to go very further, it's very interesting, um, the Haftorah uh, of the Shabbos that we're going to read, we're going to read a woman's Haftorah, a woman's song. We know the story of, uh, of Devorah. Devorah gave a song in Barak ben Avinoim and the Nevi'im when there was, she was a prophetess, uh, the uh, Devorah, and, and the, um, she, shows, she sang about the victory against Cicero and his, and his armies. And it's interesting, why did they choose, uh, the Al-Rebbe was asked, why did they choose uh, a woman's Haftorah versus a man's Haftorah? We have David's song, we have other, what do we choose? And you see, it's interesting, the Rebbe points out that um, we have both, the men and the women singing yeah. in the Parsha. But there's a difference between by the men and the, and the women. The man sang just with their mouths. They spoke. And they sang the as we say in the davening every morning. They sang the song of the uh, of the song. But the woman, it says, Miriam led the women, but it says they went They did with the drums, with the uh, uh, timbers. with the timbers with all, with all the kinds of and with circles they were dancing and thing and the men weren't so the Rebbe asked how come why were the women more dancing more excited, more enthusiastic more celebration than the men so the men only sang but they, okay they were thankful but how come the women celebrated more and the Rebbe explains that the women were touched by the exile a lot more than the men that service affected them more. Um, in other words, when the children were thrown into the river and the a woman takes those things a lot harder than the men. The men, you know, care, but they don't care as much. The women cared a lot more. So therefore, when they were free from the Egyptians and they were freed from them, the women celebrated even more. Their celebration, because their suffering was more. And when the turn, things turned around, they were euphoric. They were excited, they were screaming, and they were singing and using the, all these different kinds of uh, things to, to, to increase the joy. So it shows, the Rebbe says, the special connection of the song and, and the women and how it is in the uh, merit of the women that the Jews went out of Egypt. But then we read, they got stuck again in the, uh, in the river, in the desert, and now there's no water to drink. So here your whole all these people are going out of Egypt and they're stuck in the desert. There's nothing to drink. What do we do? What are we going to drink? Now, Hashem wasn't upset with them. We have some bitter waters. Now, we can also say the metaphors, you know. We're all going out of Egypt in a certain sense. You know, we're all going out of Egypt. We have a journey. Our life is a journey. And uh, Mitzrayim is a journey. Is sometimes is, is limitations. And sometimes the limitation... Uh, Sometimes the limitations are very constricting and they're uh, hampering the person's abilities. And, uh, and we have to learn throughout life to get of our own little Egypts, of our own 
confinements, to get out of the box, to, to become, you know, free, so to speak, become free and do as we really please. You know, a lot of times people think being free means doing whatever you want. Uh, yeah, but really free means to do what you really want to do, which means... You don't have to do what you eat Sahara, your evil inclination wants you to do. You don't need to do what your neighbor wants you to do or to please anybody else. You really want to do what you really do deep down. And you don't take, oh, your habits or what people are going to say or uh, uh, things, that, oh, it's difficult for me to do, uh, I'm not going to do it. No, free means to really choose to do, nothing is going to stand in my way, you know. If I want to be close to Hashem, if I want to do mitzvot, I'm going to do it, and nobody's going to stop me, and I'm going to actually do it. I'm going to grow. I'm going to free myself from everything. You know, may, I may have my, my life up till now. I may have my history. I may have my connections. But you know what? I can be free. I can really, and you work your way through. So being free is to really choose what you really want to do deep down. And we all deep down want to do what's right, what's right, what's right in the eyes of Hashem, what is meaningful in the eyes of Hashem, and to do the right thing. So you can, you, you can do it. So this is life's journey. But then, you know, you come across, you're in the desert, and there's no water. The water is bitter water. Bitter water, those are bitter waters that you got to drink. What do you do about the bitter waters? What do you do about the bitter? We're learning about, so it's interesting. We have two opinions about in the... And the Pasuk, what took place with those bitter waters over there? What, what, what happened with the bitter water in, in, in there? Yeah, what happened? Yeah, I'm just remembering. I think a stick was thrown in to make it... Yes, stick. excellent. The Pasuk says they took a stick, a stick, eights, uh, and they threw it in. Now, what kind of a piece of wood was it that they threw into the water? And then the water sweetened. So here we have two extreme opinions. Very interesting. One opinion says that they threw in a sweet stick. The other one says they threw in a bitter stick. And the water became sweet. So what, what does this all mean? A bitter stick or a sweet stick? What does it all mean? And then there's actually, the Rebbe points out, there's three ways of sweetening water. If you have bitter waters, or maybe if you have bitter experiences in your life, <laughs> so how do you sweeten your life? How do you make it sweet? One way is to dilute the bitterness by adding a lot more water. Yeah, a lot more water. So, I guess if your mind, you know, most of the things that bother you, it's probably mostly in your mind. Uh, because there's nothing really bad or good so much in, in this world, as much as the way you feel about it. It's really how you, how you think about it. You know, is my cup half full or is it half empty? I mean, it's the same thing, but, you know, it's just the way you feel about it. I mean, if you're upset about it, it puts you down. That's what you, it's your, just your feeling, your emotional adaptive to it. So, one way is fill your cup with things, with a lot of good stuff. Make yourself happy with a lot of stuff. Dilute your troubles. <laughs> you're, you're thinking with a lot of good stuff, so then you won't feel anymore your, uh, you don't feel anymore your, uh, you don't feel anymore your, uh, your bitter water, so you make them sweet. So, one way is to sweeten them just by adding. That wasn't used in the desert. Hashem didn't say, oh, let's bring Islam water. No. But then the other way is, you know, to bring in an agent. If you have something, something which is so sweet, 
and so powerful that it overwhelms the uh, the, the the bitterness. And that would mean uh, not just to add a lot of just plain water, but to add something very powerful, good in your life. So if you have something bitter, you have somebody negative in your life, or you have something that's painful to you, something that's bothering you, is add something really, really good to the life to offset that negativity. And then again, your emotional, your feeling will will um, will will change. Uh, well, you know, in some total, the the good will overpower the powerful thing. Will 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 help you out. The third thing, though, may actually be realizing the negative itself that maybe it's actually not so negative you know in other words finding the positive within the negative the bitter wood itself makes the water sweet in other words looking for the greater good or something you know positive in in my experience in life you know in in, in the negative that i experience in my bitter waters that we say maybe to find something good something very strong and very positive so you know what it's nowhere bitter anymore. <laughs> you know, the, what I thought before was so bitter and terrible, you changed your mind and you saw, hey, you know what? Now life is great. You know, life is good. Everything is really so, not so bad. Uh, it takes some work. You turn around. So you have these three elements. I guess it's a deeper and deeper level. The first thing is to add more water. Second thing is to add something powerful, good to offset that. And the third thing is actually maybe realizing, you know what? Life is not so bad after all. These things are not so negative, you know, and uh, how to utilize it. And everybody in their own situation, I'm not going to go into the details, but everybody can use that. But then, let's move right on. And then and then the Jews don't have water, then they don't have bread to eat. So first is the bitter water. They have water, but it's bitter. Now they don't have bread to eat. And here again, you know, as we mentioned uh, in some past classes, they had this bread. They didn't make hamotzi lechem min haaretz. They said hamotzi lechem min hashamayim. They had the manna rain down on them from the shamayim. They made hamotzi lechem min hashamayim from the heavens. Now, the truth of the matter is, why did they have that experience? But that's part of the preparation of going into Eretz Yisrael, part of going into the land of Israel. All not having the water and the different lessons, and also now really realizing that, um, you know, your bread comes min hashemayim. It comes from the hands, from the heavens. And even though we think, no, 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 it doesn't come. It comes because I work hard. Because yes, of course you have to work hard, but that's just of means through which Hashem sends you the blessings. The blessing comes from Hashem. It's not your tricks or ideas or your hard work that gives you the bread. Hashem gives you the bread, which means your sustenance comes from Hashem. Hashem doesn't want to upset the ways of nature, so He brings it through the nature ways. But at the end of the day, Hashem told us when we came in, in the desert, the bread you have is minashamayim. It's not bread from the earth. You're going to go into the land of Israel, and you're going to plant, the, the, sow the ground, plow the ground. You're going to do everything. You think that's a blessing. You know, you think that, that, no, no, no. Hashem is going to give it to you. He's going to give it to you through the means God will bless you in everything you do. Yes, you must do, you must work hard, but it's not the hard work that gives it to you. God is the blessing. It has, you have to remember that. Why? Because then, what's the, so what's the key? Do I have to please God, or do I have to please uh, what I'm doing? In other words, if God tells me, run your business honestly, right? So, 
if I believe that God gives me the blessing, so my first concern is to run it honestly, because I know that it's the honesty which is going to bring me the blessings. The secondary thing is the tools. If I believe the tools is then I'll cheat or I'll lie. I'll do things which are wrong. Why? Because I believe that that's what gives it to me. My lies will give me the, my livelihood. But that's not true. Hashem is the one that gives you the livelihood. And we're coming to Purim. We can understand also the story of Purim a lot better that way. Uh, the story with the Purim because... We understand why Esther endangered herself. She fasted and everything she did because the first thing she wanted to make sure is that God is going to listen to the prayer. What is the most important thing? The most important thing is to do what's right in the eyes of God. Of course, we have to do the other things as well, but you do what's right in the eyes of God, that's the berachacha, that's the blessing. Then the next step is you got to do what you have to do in order to work, so to dress it up in a natural means, to have a natural means. That's the secondary step. But we have to remember, that's why Hashem gave us the manna, He gives us the lechem min hashamayim. He gives us the bread, He gives us the manna, He feeds us, He shows us, you know what, you need to remember, put it through your head, that it's I am the one that is giving you the food, it's up to Hashem, do what's right in the eyes of Hashem, and don't be fooled by the fact that you see it appears to be that you're going to be cunning or you're going to do this or you're going to uh, that's not going to help you what's going to help you is Hashem's blessings you know um, we have a interesting story in the Talmud the Talmud tells, tells about the story about the nephews of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai uh, he wanted them to give uh, all year to tzedakah he sort of pushed them to give tzedakah uh, charity he sort of pushed them, pushed them to give and at the end of the year, it was right before Yom Kippur, there was a decree from, uh, they got an extra tax that they owe 17, uh, 17 whatever the amount of money there is. And they got very worried that the government is going to come after them. And Rabbi Yochum says, no, no, they're not going to ask you for any more money. So he says, how do you know? He says, because I had a dream that you were supposed to spend, you know, this amount of money this year. And... Um, and, um, and now, the 17, you've spent all the money. I, the reason I pushed you for tzedakah the whole year is because I knew that you were going to have to spend the money. I wanted at least you do it for charity. Don't spend it for wasted for something else to the government. Spend it for something which is important. So they said to him, so why didn't you tell us? Uh, so we would have given you the $17 uh, or whatever it was also. He said, oh, no, no, I didn't want you to give it because I told you, you have to give tzedakah because that's what you want to do. You know, you can't, uh, you know, I had the dreams, I knew I could push you a little bit, but you have to come from you yourself. We don't know God's ways. Whatever we're supposed to earn, we're going to earn. At the end of the day, we're going to earn what we have. We have choices what to do. Should we spend it on medicine? Should we spend it on the psychiatrist? <laughs> should we spend it on, 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 on bad things? Or should we spend it for something good, you know? I mean, let's, let's not be, we're, we're going to spend the money anyways. But let's, so if you're going to cheat or you're going to do things which are not right, you're not going to end up. The end of the day is what counts is not how much money you made for that day, it's what you get to keep, you know, it's what stays with you, and what stays with you is what's destined, Hashem makes up what you're going to get, and that's what you're going to get you can't earn a penny more, a penny less, you're not going to get a penny less, only what Hashem is destined for you, so but how it happens, you have a little choices over there, so play the cards right, in other words do what's right, 
and then you have what you need, <coughs> and you'll also do, and you'll also feel good uh, while you're doing that. And then finally, we come to the end of the parsha. We have Amalek. Amalek meets us, you know, after we go out of Egypt. Everybody is afraid. The Jewish people have gone out of Egypt, and God has done all these miracles. It was like wonderful. It was fascinating, and everybody is very, very much excited about Hashem. Here comes Amalek, and he starts up with the Jewish people. And the uh, Rashi brings down the medrash, the the the, the metaphor uh, from our sages. He says that it was like a Amalek was terrible because he he cooled it off. There was like a hot bath. Nobody was going to jump into that bath because it was too hot. You're going to burn yourself if you get in there. But uh, there was one guy who went and jumped in. He burned himself, but he cooled it off for everybody else because once he got in there, other people can go too. Nobody would start up with the Jewish people. Amalek cooled it off for everybody. He sort of, you know, he said, okay, you think the Jews are not touchable? They're touchable, you know. We can, we, we can handle them. And they started, even though they lost, they got burned and everything else. But it was enough to cool it off for everybody else. You know, that's the. It's interesting. The words "ashakar chabaderech" usually means that he met you on the way. Jews were going on the way from Egypt. They were minding their own business. They were going from Egypt to Canaan. Had nothing to do. They weren't bothering Amalek or anything. But he was "ashakar chabaderech." They met up with you on the way on their journey. He comes in. But "karcha" can also mean in Hebrew "kar." "Kar" means cold. He cooled you off. On the way, he cooled you off. Also, Amalek, the gematria, the equivalent, the, the numerical value of Amalek is also the gematria suffolk. Same numerical value as the word doubt. And that's what it, what it is, is, you know, a lot of times, you know, when you read the Parsha, you know, you see, you trust Hashem, you see the miracles in your life, God split up situations, you said, how am I going to get through here? God opened up, split away, let you through there, the waters were bitter and they were sweetened in any of the three ways. The manna came down from the heavens. You see everything else. You're excited. You're really excited. You are saying, Hashem, thank you. You know, I believe in you. And then creeps in the little Amalek on the road. And they starts throwing in the doubts. Yeah, it wasn't really such a miracle like you're making it to be. He calls you off. He says, don't be so excited. You know what? You think Hashem did it? Okay. But you know what? Maybe yes, maybe no. You know that you know. Perhaps it was nature. I remember to the Six Day War. I always remember this when the Israeli armies they devastated all the armies of the Arabs who were coming in with all the peoples and with all the armies bigger and stronger and with all armed and attacked Israel. Six days, boom! <laughs> Israel did a job, did away with all of them. You saw the pictures how. Uh, this, uh, the Egyptians were all lining up, taking off their shoes, and one Israeli marching hundreds of you know of, of, of uh, thousands of soldiers, Egypt, all with their hands up, giving up to Israel. Okay, believe it. Everybody said the Kotel, they freed the Kotel, everything was given. Everybody believed and said, "Wow, what a miracle!" Openly, six days. How is it possible? It was like everybody was euphoric, and then. Uh, we have the American, and we're stronger with this, you know. Slowly but surely, Amalek creeps in, starts making doubts, and starts calling you off, and starts to question and say, well, how come this, how come that? Time goes on. That's the Amalek over there. He's not letting you, not allowing you for you to really experience. And in our lives, it's the same thing, too. 
We have an emotional arousal, we have an attachment, we have a need to get closer to Hashem. We have an excitement, we have something which pushes us inside us. We want to be closer to Hashem. And then Amalek comes in. Torah tells us, remember Amalek, don't forget, Amalek cools you off. Remember that that is Amalek, that this is, the doubts are thrown into you. It's by Amalek. This is not your favor, it's not your benefit, not trying for your good. It's just trying to cool you off and take you away. He's making a suffolk, he's making a doubt to you. Stay strong. Always erase Amalek. Don't forget to erase Amalek and don't always remember that you have that Amalek. So the Parsha is full with, you know, the trust in Hashem, full with the miracles, full with the beautiful things that we have. And especially, as I said before, especially is the women, as Rabbi says, the women, they trusted in Hashem more than ever. They trust in Hashem now too. I tell you, the Jewish women today too, I wouldn't trust the men, but the women trust mm-hmm. the women because the women really, they believe in Hashem and they believe in the promise. They believe the Rebbe's promise that Mashiach is coming, even though, you know, we're starting to doubt, the men are starting to doubt it's taking so many years. The Rebbe's promised already so many years since the Rebbe said. But I take a look when I go to my sister. She lives in Pittsburgh. She goes out every day. She's, she's, she's in her 80s, Baruch Hashem, until 120 years. And she goes out, she gives out the good cards. Everybody down, up and down Marie Avenue, on, on, that's in Squirrel Hills in Pittsburgh over there. Every goy, every non-Jew knows about the seven Noah had laws because he got in a card for my sister. My sister sits every day in front of Giant Eagle. That's a big supermarket over there, like Shaw's over here, on the main avenue over there. Yeah, it's a hard avenue, it's up and down the hills, you know, it's, uh, it's, that's what it's called, Squirrel Hills. And she sits there every single day with those cards, you know, the woman there. And I see my sister, where do you get that Amuna from, you know, that, you know? And my mother, may she rest in peace. And these were, they were really so, and that's why they were celebrating more than everybody else. When Mashiach will come, they'll bring the tambourines, they'll bring all the soup and the mechoyles, there's things, because... They suffer because of all this time, and to them it's so meaningful. And they keep the Jewish people whole, as Shem says right away when he gave the Torah. And this is all, Amalek is standing in the way of the Torah, because he doesn't want you to get the Torah. Because the, we're the Jews journeying from Egypt, they're going to receive the Torah, and Amalek extends, throws in the doubts. Shem says to Moshe, First tell the women, and then talk to the men. <laughs> in other words, if you want to make sure, go in this order. Talk to the women first, and then talk to the men. Because that's the way you'll be assured that the Torah, Yiddishkeit, everything goodness, our religion, that it's going to stay is the women are going to hold it up. And they're going to make sure to the extent they can to keep their husbands in line too as well. So they should also do what they're supposed to be doing. And uh, we should get strength from this, from the works, from the previous Rebbe, from the Rebbe, uh, because they don't leave, even though physically they've passed, may have gone through so many years. But we know that faithful shepherds do not leave. We say it on the special prayer that we say at the gravesite of the tzaddikim, as the special prayers of the... In the prayers we say, the righteous shepherds, they don't leave their their flock, even after they've passed on. They supervise and they take care, they feed them, they give us the amuna, they give us the strength, they give us the kaya, the energy to be able to move on. Hopefully we won't have to wait much longer. 
Mashiach will come, we'll see the redemption, and we'll sing the Shiraz Hayam, and we'll sing the new song, we'll receive Matan Torah again with the Primus HaTorah, the inner parts of Torah, all the revelations, we'll build the base of Mashiach, Sidkenu, the Meher of